of those in this room that will stand. Because we stand for something, then like too many in this world, we don't fall for everything. Because there's so many traps and tricks that have impacted our world. But we know you. And you're a light into our path. And Father, you teach us right. Today, let us celebrate that. In Jesus' name, amen. The Declaration of Independence is where I begin today. Crafted as our new nation began in 1776. The first sentence of the Declaration of Independence is a whopper. If you're, not an, if you, if you're an English teacher, you would probably have marked this one down as a run-on sentence, but it's a good run-on sentence. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of God's nature entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. One sentence. But it's the second one found in the Declaration of Independence that most of us likely know parts of. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So today we're going to talk about life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Life. I have a new granddaughter. Have I mentioned that? <laughs> I met new friends today that moved here because of children and a grandchild. I got to the heart of the matter quickly. It's the grandchild that made them move here, and we, we like them. They're good things. So this is Emerson. I want you to see Emerson. There she is. Oh, there's more. There she is. There she is. Little hand popping out. There she is. They swaddle them now, don't they? Wrap them like enchiladas now. There's, this is, she's listening to one of my sermon tapes right there. <laughs> There's her dimple. And so that's Emerson now a little over a month old. Life is good, isn't it? Life is a gift. And sometimes we get too busy to remember that. Sometimes we take it for granted. But if we're in tune the way we ought, we should thank God every day for every breath that we have. And we should thank God every day for every loved one that we have. We live in a country where we're able to pursue all sorts of opportunities in our lives. And the greatest opportunity that we have is the pursuit of God. That is our greatest opportunity. And we live in a country where we are still able to do that. So here we are today working on this life and preparing for the next life. 
On our prayer list is our friend Jackie Keating. A lot of you know Jackie. When she's able to come, she sits right over here. But she has stopped dialysis. And the benefit was not worth the pain, she said. The doctors have said that her time is now limited, one to two weeks. She's had 90 years of life, an interesting life, if you know her. And I visited with her the other day, and we talked about eternal life. Eternal life. Jackie is ready to leave this world for the next one. She is pursuing eternal life. I want us to look at a few scriptures about life and our pursuit of it. The first one is, well, where I have to begin, John three sixteen. You know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We learn that one early on, don't we? That's a Bible school verse. That's a nursery verse. We get that one quickly. What's the big deal? The big deal is life. The big deal is eternal life. The gift of Jesus giving his life for you and for me. That's the deal. And because of that, you and I can pursue eternal life. The Bible teaches that our life here is so valuable that God was willing to send his only son to die in our place. Question your worth? Read John 3.16. You're highly valuable. Your life has great worth. Further on in the book of John, I've chosen a few from John today, but further on in the book of John, look at these words about life. John chapter 8, verse 2. Jesus spoke to them again saying, I'm the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Here we see contrast. Without God, many live in darkness. Their faces are on the evening news. This world is scarred by their presence. They desperately need God. You ever looked at this world arguing for evil and wondering how they can do that? How can they not see what we see? Well, they're walking in darkness. Psalms 82.5 puts it this way. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. And all the foundations of the earth are unstable. Because they can't see. Isaiah puts it this way in chapter 50, verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. There are those that walk in darkness and have no light and therefore they're not pursuing life as they should. But Jesus said he's the light of life. Back to verse 2 of John 8. Let me read it again. Jesus spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. We talked about those. But we have the light of life. We're free to pursue the right walk. And we should thank God for that freedom in this country. In John 10, 10, you probably know this one too. The thief, the devil, does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. 
we have the ability to pursue abundant life. Here's the problem. Satan tries to mess up our walk. He tries to steal our joy and our peace and our love and to kill and destroy all that is good in this world to help people walk in darkness. But Jesus came to give us life, not just eternal life, but abundant life. This isn't the prosperity gospel, having everything you want. This is the real gospel about being able to count your blessings no matter what's going on and whatever you have. Abundant life is the ability to connect to God in all things. Abundant life is knowing love in a hateful world. Abundant life is having peace in a warring world. Abundant life is being a servant in an entitled world. Abundant life is knowing quietness in a loud world. Our eternal life begins the moment we accept Christ as our Savior. And then abundant life begins. I sat there with Jackie the other day, and she's in a, in a bed in her living room. And part of me really admired that. Almost, there was almost a jealousy of that. I have to be careful how I say it, but she's about to have eternal life. The next step that we're all running towards, she's about there. And when I'm with friends that are about there, I always tell them, to just put in a good word for me when you get there. I'm asking them to tell friends hello because it's real and it's eternal and it's abundant. One more there, John 14, 6, Jesus said to a world that needs this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. To have what we've talked about requires a relationship with Jesus. We have to pursue Jesus. And then we have life. Now liberty. Think about Christian liberty and what you are free from. I'm just going to mention one key concept here. You're free from sin. It's power over your life and it's penalty over your life. I've used this illustration before because it's true. Let's pretend we go to the funeral home to see a friend we grew up with. And we maybe had some interesting times as younger people, but settled down and became dedicated Christians. And now our friend is in heaven and we go to the funeral home to visit them. And we are having a class reunion with some high school friends and we decide to go out and, well, to sin. We just decide to go out and to do something horrible. And we go up to our friend, the guest of honor at the funeral home, in the casket and say, hey, we're going to go so-and-so, and we want you to go with us. And, and we're going to just recreate what we did 100 years ago, and it's going to be wild, and we want you to go with us. Is he coming? I mean, we could recreate Weekend at Bernie's and drag him around with us, but is he going to get out of the casket on his own self and go with us? No. That's not going to happen. And I use that illustration to introduce Romans 6, 6 and 7, and then verse 11. But look at this in verses 6 and 7. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. 
For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. We should have the same response that our friend at the funeral home had. I don't have to do that anymore. I am free from those decisions. Romans 6, 11 puts it this way. You also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Flip Wilson was funny a hundred years ago when I watched him and he said, the devil made me do it, but theologically he's wrong. The devil can make you do nothing. You are free from sin. So those are some verses that we look at that we are free from sin's power. Look at this being free from its penalty, Romans 6.23. The wages, the payment of sin is death. But the free gift of life of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's that word life, eternal life. We're free from its penalty. If time would allow, we could talk about how we're free from hatred and the things that divide us in our country and we're free from worry and prejudice and separation and loneliness. But let's get to the last point, the pursuit of happiness. In our country, we are free to do whatever we want, literally. You could leave this place and drive to any of the 48 contiguous states and go to the airport and fly wherever you want to, and you are free to pursue happiness. And people do that in different ways. You ever see somebody pursue something their whole life that didn't make them happy? It happens, and it's sad. Years ago, I was sitting at my office in Indiana and in walks a person that told me they were about to do something that was biblically wrong, but they told me it was going to make them happy and their argument was God wants me to be happy. I told them that God doesn't want you to be happy. God wants you to be obedient. And when you're obedient, happiness comes. Joy comes. And when you're disobedient, trouble comes. And it came for this individual happiness comes from obedience and God gives us a recipe in his word look at Psalm 119 the first three verses happy are those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the Lord happy are those who keep his decrees who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. The happiest people I have known in my life have followed just those three verses. They've pursued God. And because of that, they are filled with joy. The happiest people I have known in my life have been from all walks, They have been poor, and they've been middle class, and they've been rich. They've been men, and they've been women. They've been white, and they've been black, and they've been all colors. They've been educated, and they've been uneducated. They've been Southerners and Yankees. They have Jesus, and that's what's made the difference. And they've pursued and chosen the right way to spend their time. So today, thank God for life 
and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. I often said that one of Satan's biggest weapons is distraction, trying to get us off course just a little bit, moving us to pursue something else. Today our world hurts because of distracted people chasing after the wrong things. Pursue happiness in Jesus. Then you'll have abundant and eternal life, freedom from sin, its power and its penalty. Thank God we can do that. Thank God. Let's pray together. Lord, as we began, we talked about things that divide us. But my, how we come together with your Holy Spirit guiding us, with your word, a light for our lives. So, Father, help us in our pursuits that what we choose to go after is what you would have us to go after. Help us, Father, to be thankful for what we have and to not take for granted one moment. Thank you, Father, that you give us life. You give us life because what Christ did for us at Calvary, dying in our place, we can have life eternal as you initially designed. Father, bless us in our pursuits of life, liberty, and happiness. And thank you that as we pursue those, we find those, as we pursue you, we find those things and so much more. Thank you, Father, for our country. God bless America. In Jesus' name, amen.